All right, so um, I have the privilege of introducing Tom and Yuna. Um, and, you know, sometimes, like, proximity to people, you know, like, if you, if you ever, like, has anyone, like, ever had, like, a, someone they really looked up to, and then you got to meet them, and then you were like, mm, don't really look up to you anymore? <laughs> like, somebody I know um, met Paula Dean one time, and, uh, in a, and, and was in a uh, uh, casino in Vegas, and they met Paula Dean, and they're like, oh, my God, this is going to, you know, guys know Paula Dean, she puts butter and sugar on everything. And they were like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get hugged and diabetes at the same time. It's going to be awesome. And they met her, and she was playing slots. She had had way too much to drink. She was, like, chain smoking, and she was super hateful. They were like, I kind of wish I hadn't met you like that. I don't want to eat food ever again. Um, I'm, I'm going somewhere with that. Like, um, <laughs> and that is, I'm hungry. No. Um, you know, I, I really looked up to Tom and Yuna before they were part of our church. Um, he was one of the first people I ever heard talk about church planning and just ruined me. I was like, oh man, that, yep, that right there, I'm in, put me in coach. And then years and years later, um, you know, I'd gotten to know them a lot more. I lived with their son for a while um, before we were both married to different people. Um, sorry, I realized how I said that. Um, and, and then they came and they, they've been part of our church now for, gosh, like nine, 10 years coming on 10 years, man. And um, so it's been the opposite in that the more time I've gotten around them, the more I've looked up to them. Um, and that's really, that's really rare, I think. Um, Tom turned 65 this last week. And um, he's counting just as much as he ever has, if not more. I think him and Eunice seem to be leading in, their, in the prime of their life. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do, we, we, you know, Alan said it earlier, I think it was Alan or Brian, somebody said earlier about just the multi-generational, you know, thing, which is so thankful for some of you guys who've run a little bit ahead of us, you know, and we're going to have Sean and Becky come lead us in a, in a little bit. Just, I, I, we're just so thankful. This is not, you know, we, we aren't like the, you're old. This is, we're just so thankful to have people who are a little bit further down the track. Um, lots of times over the last 12 years leading One Harbor, Tom and Yuna have been the, like the voice of, hey, you're going to make it. It's going to be fine. We've been through worse. You should have seen 73, 1873. <laughs> um, they've just been such a stabilizing voice of faith, and, um, and we just need that. You know, we really do. And so, anyway, Tom, we, you know, we do, like, make everything about Jesus, but the Bible says give honor where it's due. And so, yeah, man, having just turned 65, we honor you. You know, we honor you for for still having your head down, your, your, your hands gripped on the plow, and with just, you're just a firm resolve as ever to run hard after Jesus. So come on up, man. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, all four of you. It's amazing. So thank you, Donnie. Thank you guys for the privilege, and uh, really is a privilege. It's, it feels awkward for me to have to talk about you uh, and I a little bit. Um, I'd much rather talk about just the king, but maybe I can weave that in here. I think our story is not a massive story compared to some, but I think it is a faithful story, and, uh, but it's more about a faithful God. 
And if I can encourage you in that, that would be amazing to be able to do that tonight. I, I have a theology that really does believe that each church that's planted has an inheritance in Jesus. And dependent on how you live as the guys who lead that church, you'll either take that inheritance or you'll take more. I've seen churches that uh, a church over here had X amount of inheritance in God and a church over here had Z amount of inheritance and this church messed it up. This one got both inheritances. So this thing of faithfulness and living faithfully for the king is incredibly important and uh, hopefully I can talk a little bit about, about that. I, I do want to say as well we're going to talk about serving the church, but I also want to encourage you, the church serves us too. She cares for us, she loves us, she spoils us in different ways without any demand from us. If you serve her well, it is a safe and wonderful place. And, and to be honest, for me, the, the bride of Christ is the most beautiful thing on earth. I have totally been enamored with her and since, since the day I came to know Jesus. Pentecostal Holiness Church, missionaries in South Africa, 1974, so I think this makes it my 45th year. Uh, yes, they believe in the Trinity, L. And uh, at 65, you keep quiet now, okay? <laughs> you had your moment, L. You had your moment. One of the things I want to say quickly as well is if, you do, if you're going to do this well, I think there needs to be prophetic things that you've heard it doesn't necessarily have to be from someone who prophesied, but you've heard the Lord's voice speak prophetically to you. You've got it written down somewhere. I think before our journey started, just as we met this uh, guy, his name was Dudley Brown, mentioned him earlier today, and we, we started on this apostolic journey. We had someone come to our church and prophesy over us, and she sat Una down in our lounge and said, my girl, you've mar married a rolling stone. You're going to go from one place to another, from one country to another, and God would give you this promise that you will always be able to nest. God will always make a way for you to nest. And that thing has helped us in so many ways. So hopefully there's little nuggets I can just throw out here tonight and uh, help us on that journey. So let me read a passage of Scripture. Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chiefs priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And here, here's our little piece that we need to be aware of very much. And Peter took him aside, what an idiot, and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. This is the thing we need to watch out for in our own journey. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For me, early on, the understanding came that to be faithful to God's call and to his ways and to his bride is to follow the king. To be unfaithful to that is to be a tool of Satan. It's very important that that drops in our hearts. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And right at the end, maybe I'll mention a few things of man that I've noticed over the years where I've seen incredibly anointed men just suddenly shifted aside because they had something of this heart. They'd made it about themselves and not Jesus Christ. And those men are nowhere today or the inheritance that was there, someone else has stepped in their place and that inheritance has blossomed beyond anything that man saw because he became a tool of Satan in that moment. So weighty and heavy. 
And then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall it a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. There's a payday coming from a faithful God to faithful servants, and we need to be encouraged. So, we uh, leave the denomination, we go on our first church plant to a city of Port Elizabeth in South Africa, and uh, I'll just hit on little stories here, and then we get given this yellow Audi, it was an old, old Audi, it was one of my favorite cars I've ever had, it had a steering wheel the size of a bus. <laughs> we went to Cape Town in that car, the lights went out, I had to hold the, the thing under the dashboard driving to Cape Town, and my fingers got burnt two inches shorter than they should be. And uh, we had these adventures. And one night we went to visit a family that were visiting the church. And I got into the car, started it, and it would not go. The only gear it would go into was reverse. <laughs> and so being a dumb, unfaithful church planter, I drove it around like that for one week. This is a gospel true story. <laughs> I had to drive through all the suburbs and under freeways and that to get my kids to school. They would bend down behind the seats. I didn't want anyone to see. And I, I felt one, God, one day God just said to me, you are really dumb. <laughs> is this true, guys? I'm, I'm just telling you a story, boss. So I got a guy to take me down to the, um, the repair place. It was a thousand bucks. We drove home past the post office. I said, hey, can I just slip in again, man? In the mailbox was a check for the thousand bucks. And you have got to have those stories because they build muscle for when you need 5,000 bucks, when you need 5 million bucks, and when whatever you need, you've got to have those stories. If you're not having any of those stories going on in your life, you're not building that muscle. There should always be these kind of stories happening. There was a church in South Africa in Cape Town, a very wealthy suburb. We could not afford to go on holiday. They gave us holidays in really fancy homes where we lived in a place called Mount Bay. Year after year, we lived like a million years. You know why? Faith in God. Faith in God. Got to learn of His faithfulness. I remember driving in the city one night and um, I went past this house that was where we, in the area where we wanted to have a church eventually. And uh, I just went once I stop, walk through, walk into the guy's house, offer him 60k for his house. I'll stop, walk into his house, we hang on for about 18 seconds, we pay 62k for that house. It's still there, there's a whole complex around that house now. Just a faithful God. You've got to hear, you've got to listen for his voice. And not try and do these things on ourselves. In that house we called it Victory House because the road was Victory Road. And we had an office and all the rest of it. What happened there often is uh, folks who were from, you know, like Corsa and Zulu people who had been disenfranchised uh, because of apartheid and that, they would often come and knock on the door, can we borrow a hammer or a axe to go build a little hut in the, in the sort of the bush nearby. And uh, we didn't have any of those things at this house. And I, I'll never forget one day this guy knocked on the door and I uh, gave him some bread and stuff and he went away. And as I was walking back to my office, I heard the father say, I want you to do more than give a few slices of bread. This is not the kingdom. This is not the gospel. 
So I said, Father, the next guy who walks through that door, we will change his life forever. Two days later, duck, 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 duck. so I opened the door, and the most bedraggled, disheveled, causal gentleman that I've ever seen in my life is standing outside the door. His name is David David. And we employed him as a church. Two weeks ago, that church is still rocking. The guy handed it over to still leading that part of a whole bunch of other churches. He sent me a picture of David, who's now born again, retiring from working at the church, and he's working full time at another church in another poor area. And there's this wonderful synergy between the two churches. The, the rich, bigger church lends them chairs and instruments, and those guys come over and help with different things. Just from one guy walking through the door, and I had to be faithful to God's voice. We've got to hear His voice yeah. in all the moments. And so that church is still came on. We went on to, to we moved to Cape Town. The Rolling Stone thing started to kick in, and uh, we were only there for four years. It was actually amazing experience. God just showed up and in four years turned the church that had really been busted and handled badly uh, turned around. And one of the great things that came out of that church is about 11 youngsters now live all over the world serving Jesus in different, different ways. Haley, where's Hale? Is she here? There in the back. Haley was one of the kids in our youth all those years ago in that church. We just saw the most amazing things in that and, and, and it helped him help mold you and I because we've been at that, that first church for a long, long time, maybe 11, 12 years, and our friendships had become our scaffolding. And so when we went to Cape Town, we didn't have those same friendships and we suddenly felt at sea. And it helped us learn afresh. Yes, it's great to have friendships. It's great to have this, but my first and our most important friendship must be that key. He must be our everything, and then all these things add to us. And so I think those four years there was just to add that little bit to us. And then off we rolled to, uh, we went on to Australia. Uh, my son Mark, he couldn't go to high school in South Africa because of the church moved the school, so we're not interested uh, in coming here. It was his final year. And out of the blue, Brian's dad, Steve Barford. Just a long story, maybe Brian can tell you he's part of that story one day, but Stevie had made a promise because of something that happened to Brian, that he will one day host a kid in his home and help them if they needed it. And so he said, Tom, I feel your boy is the kid. Put him on a plane as quick as you can. He'll come and live with us. We'll pay his school fees. We don't want any money for clothing. When it's his birthday, we'll give him a party. We'll buy a nice watch or, or whatever it is that he needs. And for one year, my kid lived in the United States of America at the father's courtesy because there were other men and women who loved Jesus and heard his voice. He went on to college uh, in America. That's a whole other story of how the bride just loved on him. It's hard when your kids go to other nations and you don't really have enough money to pay college. He lands it, there's no car, and uh, he arrived at Southland's church and people just loved on my boy. Got a soccer scholarship to go to university, and now he lives in Australia with his four kids. They've got a great little church going in Perth, passionate for Jesus. And he will tell me stories of all the little moments that happened in his journey through Southlands and with other guys. And those things so into his journey to trust Jesus, 
to be a cross-centered boy. I tell you folks, when we around each other's kids, we need to be wise and understand that the way I conduct myself could affect your children more than you do as a parent. When I'm around Donnie's boys, I make sure I'm acting in a gospel way and trying to encourage them so I affect their journey for Jesus Christ. You, you and I are so grateful for the people who affected our kids because of a faithful father. Our daughter, she lives in New York City. I've got to be honest, on this one I struggled. When I heard that her and her husband wanted to live in New York, leaving South Africa, I wanted to punch the guy and the husband. Like, what in the world are you thinking? And the pastor at that time was Peter Brown. He put a big statue thing on the wall of uh, the Empire State Building. I was so mad with him. But my kids, I didn't realize they knew how to trust the kids. They've had the adventure of a lifetime. Sometimes it's been really, 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 really hard. But my daughter got citizenship this Friday. My son and son-in-law will get citizenship this Friday. And by God's grace, we can't get back to Australia right now to renew our visa. But I can get green card now because my daughter's finally pulling away and doing something. God is good. So North Carolina, they invite us for three months, so we go there, we have an absolute ball, they show us amazing time. Don Angel hosted us amazingly, people were so friendly, so they asked us if we can stay longer. So I prayed, I felt God speak to me through Jeremiah, and you know, uh, she wanted a little bit more proof. She wasn't ready for another Rolling Stone moment. And um, so she we were staying at this little beach hotel and she said, Lord, you've got to give me a piece of sea glass uh, and that will confirm to me. So she went walking on the beach, she picked up this cobalt blue piece of glass, which she thought was plastic. It has a slightly different texture to other pieces of glass. And she just threw it back in the water and carried on walking. Then she came back and the piece of glass was there again. So it's twice. And you just threw it back in the water. <laughs> So I came back, uh, Donnie and I had been up in Raleigh at the church, the Jodown Pastors, and um, we saw the phone was ringing, had a buzzing, and had a little light thing going. So I went down to reception and said, Now there's a gift for you. And in the gift was a piece of bread from the ocean. And it had to be mounted on Eunice's necklace. So she went to the jeweler, who at that time was part of the church, and she said, Oh, this is interesting. Someone else bought you a piece of glass. Yes, that's two pieces of glass. So she chucked away two. But God was having none of that. You gave me two pieces of glass. And that was it. We were on our way to uh, North Carolina. Aussies have a special um, way of getting into America. There's a there's sort of a treaty we helped you guys with the Iraq War. It was like, I think we sent one rather duck and a <laughs> We helped you guys in that <laughs> So we arrived with four bags. Couple of boxes. Didn't have a car, so now we need to stay. Guys, give us uh, what we call the Honda Rari. And then we go to New York backwards and forwards. We, we travel the world in Honda Rari. You know, we uh, we upgraded a while back. That Honda Rari we were able to give to someone. Families in hospital, and that's the only transport they've got. And that Honda, that God uh, crucifix Honda, is still doing service for the community. 
didn't have a place to stay. No one said anything. It was a little, just, you know, daunting. And then they said, no, no, we'll take you to where you're staying. So we got out there, and it is this double-story, six-bedroom home, fully furnished, everything is leather, full-size pool table, right on the water, for nothing, no rent. I do want to say this, I did have to pay for it. You and I had to pay for it for the utilities, because the utilities in the house that size. <laughs> they were a monster. <laughs> so anyway, we moved into this house and um, we have a whole bunch of fun. And then uh, the Beaufort Pond came up and Donnie asked if we would go down Brian Wrecker with that. We uh, stayed with the Wreckers for three months. It was some of the most glorious times of fellowship. I mean, I'm a lot older than Brian. He'd just come out from the military. He was a captain. So he was a little cheeky and all the rest of it. And uh, I'll never forget the one day we decided we're going to eat healthy for a month. And we, we, we got a, a thing that liquidizes fruit, I mean vegetables. It was really an ancient thing. I don't know from what century it came from. And while we were using this thing, it broke and splattered the whole house with the green juice and all the rest. And we, we had these amazing God moments, older generation, younger generation. There should be no generation gap in the God. We, we should be all fathering people behind us. We should all have some fathers ahead of us that have got some wisdom that are taking us on. And so we helped with this plant and, and the little house came uh, free in Burford. I don't know if been there, but just a, a street off the woods. It's the town that's been voted most uh, beautiful town in small America, small town America. It's magnificent. So we one room back from the water, there's this tiny, crooked little house. I think it was 700 square feet, if I remember. When my kids put their toys, my grandkids put their toys on the floor, it rolled away. <laughs> If you showered and you dropped the soap, you had to get out of the shower, pick the soap up, get back in the shower. It's a true, it's a true story. But for us, because this was a God story, it fed our soul at home. And the only furniture we had, we, we, the very first thing we ever bought in North Carolina when we left that big house was a dining room table. Because we've been taught the way Jesus loved and cared for people, he sat them down around the table and he started to eat. And in the south, that's also a big deal. So we bought this dining room table, that's all we had. We shifted up to this little house in Beaufort. And uh, some guy came along and he gave us a recliner and he gave us a couch. So for three days, three nights, I slept economy class on the recliner and you slept business class on the couch. That's all we had. We go to church Sunday, first Sunday above it. This lady comes up to us, she's a really rich lady. And uh, she says, this man, I just sold my three-story house down the road here. It's fully furnished, curtains, paintings, everything. The new owner wants nothing. I'll tell you where I've written the key. You go there and you take whatever you want. And so that's a great part of the story, but this is the better part. So Yuna had said to me, if we're going to furnish another house, she wants it sort of like French provincial. Now, I went and looked at Walmart, they did not have that. <laughs> so we go and look up to this house, it was about 400 yards from where we were staying. So we look up to this house, go inside, and the first sign on the wall is, what was it, love? 
about that tea cafe, this little French thing. And here was all this, a lot of the furniture was very Frenchy and stuff. If you ever come visit us, you'll see God just says, here you go, my kid. I think everyone thought we were robbing the place because every day <laughs> on a trolley. And, um, and you know, that little house, it, it, it was in the part of Beaufort where they had the biggest Halloween party in that whole county. And as a church, we would get outside there with coffee and marshmallows and the wreckers would be dressed up, the Space Wars and Star Wars guys and all the rest of the And uh, it was so funny, like, I think people thought it was an open house. And then people from the street were just walking to our home and like, walked around and like, no, this isn't whatever you do in Hollywood, get out of the house. But we had such God moments. Got to know some of the neighbors, some of the neighbors came to uh, the church as well. And so, uh, the thing came, you know, God came through again for, for us. It was very wonderful. Even the canisters had on them made in France. We still have those canisters today. As our souls were fed. And then the swans were plant came about with me where we are now. So we went down there to look for a house. And again, just, just I don't know why we've I've concentrated on the house and maybe it's helpful. But um, I, I took a wrong turn to go and look at a house agent who sent me the address. And as I drove down the street, there was this weird little sign next to the road that said house for rent, but you know, it wasn't a proper nice sign. So I phoned the guy and uh, we, we rented the house. It was much bigger. I mean, it was like 1,600 feet, you know, much bigger than this. And we set up our dining room table and literally hundreds and hundreds of people went through that house. That was the, one of the cores of our plants in that time. God was so faithful to us in that moment. And in the, in the town, there was this old school building. Some of you have seen it. I think Chris and guys are going to see it. And it's been empty for eight years. We asked the city and they said, no, not a chance. You're never going to be able to use this. We don't want it touched. They just had some issue. And two of the guys going on the plant were optometrists. They phoned the town manager and said, hey, can we have lunch with you? And uh, obviously they want to keep in good, you know, standing with businessmen in the towns. So and they went and had lunch, and they said, hey, we'd like to use that building. And right there at the dining room table, we said, yeah, we'll send it up. So we fixed it up, and uh, we gave the city some money. This was our deal. We will fix this free of charge. We'll pay for it. We'll give you 10 grand. And when we're done here, at the end of our lease, we'll give it all to you, and it's yours. And they could not believe what was going on. And then we outgrew that, and so we took me to the town hall, which used to be an old Catholic church, so we'll do the same deal. In fact, they came to us and said, hey, how about that deal? <laughs> we fixed it up, and uh, we've, our, our lease has just been extended. And it's so amazing. When our lease was due for extension about a month ago, it was 14 grand that we said we will give to you guys. We want to bless this town some more. It's been one of the, one of the flavors of one harbor that I've so enjoyed that we want to work with the cities, we want to be involved in what they do, you know. And so we went, we went to do this uh, re-signing of the leaves. The guy said, you know, you guys have been so amazing. We're not taking your 14 grand. We want you to keep it. And it was just another little God moment like, boys, I've got this. I've got this worked out. What happens now this month, where every Tuesday I'm on a Zoom call, all the principals of all the schools, all the staff of the city, 
are in their Zoom call, and uh, especially when it's around you know, COVID stuff like feeding the kids at school or, or the one high school by us, uh, they had a little uh, uh, pregnancy crisis. About nine girls got pregnant. And so we were able to supply car seats, and the Methodist was able to do that, and the First Baptist guy was able to do that, and the AME down the road did that. And, and we've just had this most amazing thing that's happened in Swansburg. It's just uh, been incredibly unique. The house we were staying in got sold, or we tried to buy it, and the guy, uh, he was there, he wasn't there. And so we just felt compelled, you know, just to wait. And so I drove down, down into the city one day, but I went a different road that I'd never gone. It's not the way I would probably go to the city. And in the road is this big black F-150 truck. I was so irritated because I was in a hurry. And uh, the guy comes up, it's actually a guy from our church. And so we say, he said, what are you doing here? He said, I just bought this house, 3,100 square foot double story house, really cool here. It's going to be really cool. He bought it for his six month old son really rich guy, and um, uh, we're going to rent it out to the Marine Corps, because the Marine Corps pay high, and they've always paid. So yeah, that's cool. Drove off, and 10 minutes later, he finally said, hey, listen, man, if I hadn't been 10 minutes late for my meeting, I wouldn't have seen you. I think God's out to something can come chat. And long story short, they rented us that house. We're still in there. Come visit us. There's, there's lots of room. In fact, we have a, a Marine Corps family staying in that house right now, because they've just been deployed to Palermo. I'd like to go to Palermo, so I'm looking after some arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> we were yesterday, and her dad just had a huge heart attack. And so for them to be in a safe place, where they can still get to the dad and see him, if he's going to pass, they'll see him before that, they can take the grandkids for one more look. And that's God's faithfulness and kindness. And yes, maybe you and I were involved in that, but it's just, just live for the king. It's not about who set that up, it's about he's in charge of this. And if we get to be used in that, it's a great, great privilege. So yeah, all these things, we love the Marine Corps. They've added such richness to our lives. Often they're homeless, and so it's an amazing opportunity. They've been good for us. And uh, you need to teach your kids to trust the king. I can tell you hundreds of stories. I'll tell you one from my boy. And then uh, I'll just give you some things quickly I've seen in the ministry. So Marky, uh, when we look at South Africa, plays cricket. So cricket's like baseball, but it's a little bit more sophisticated than baseball. <laughs> a little bit more complicated. Yeah. So he wanted cleats for baseball. So we go down to the store, and the latest, fanciest ones are the one the kid always goes for. And uh, those days was 120 bucks, which was big bucks for us at that time. So I said, my boy, let's go home and just pray about this. So he said, cool, Dad, not a problem. And uh, he said he's willing to throw his money in, whatever he's got saved. I said, no, that's great. So we prayed. And about three days later, he said, Dad, I heard through the grapevine something's happened with those shoes. They're cheaper or something's going on. He heard from one of the guys at school. So we zoomed down there. We go in. And there's been some kind of uh, import bond misunderstanding. And the shop has to sell it at cost, which was 30 bucks. Mark had 30 bucks in his opinion. And in that moment, he learned that his heavenly father has got much more muscle than his earthly tank. 
So when he's living in Perth now, he's got to trust for a whole lot of other things or go to college. His muscle is there. But if you've got kids, you've got to be helping your muscle grow. You, you cannot mind cotton there. You've got to stretch them and grow them. Because this generation will soon grow. And the next one is there. One last story, and then I'll tell you these good things that I've seen. That'll be good. This is not my story, but I want to tell it because it puts God on display in such a wonderful way. So, there's a friend, many of us know the guy, he's in South Africa, he's building a huge church building, it's 55, 56 million bucks. They feel God tell them they must do cash. So, this is recent, this isn't within the last couple of weeks. So, they go for it. People sell their big homes, buy smaller homes, give them money, all this kind of stuff. And uh, they get to the place where I think they raised 45, 46, 47 million, and there's a big bill. Remember, it was the sound And so they've got nothing. They've given everything. And they've really given as a church. And um, so they, they praise an eligible to decide to go to the bank, feeling like we felt God tell us to not do that. So they go to the bank because of COVID in South Africa, the situation, even though they've raised 46, 47 million cash, the bank says no way. They go back and pray again. So they, 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 they feel God say, look what's in your account. So they go and look, and they've got 600,000 bucks. So this is salaries and, you know, all that. And they feel the Father say, give it away. So just down the road, there's a tiny little Anglican church building a new little complex. And on the other side of the city, there's a church over there, a more substantial church also building. So they go back to the little Anglican church, they know these guys, they say, hey, here's a chunk of change. The guys are weeping and crying and like, you know, heaven just spoke to drop thing. All that happened was God showed up through faith and They go across the city to these other guys who they've never met, and they won't blow away like they've just prayed, and now you arrive. So a couple of days later, they're back at the building project, and this little old lady arrives in a car. She gets out, they call her Esther, just as a nickname. And she gets out the car and says, hey, can I see your building? And they take her up to it's a very unique building. For example, they, they built the steps going up to the main door, Crooked. Because they want to let people know that this, this place is for crooked people. This is for broken people. When you come here. So they take her through and all the rest of it. She's very nice little handbag and all the rest of it. And she says, hey man, I've got something in the boot of my car for you. You help me take us. I open the boot of the car and there's a bag in there and it's full of gold. <laughs> Six million bucks worth of gold. The next day, another million goes into the account. The next day, another hundred like K to the account. Faithful father. Faithful father. That has got to creep into our hearts so deep. So, so things about, I've seen that God's ministry eat the wrong vitamins. I think the right vitamin order is, I, my being is in Christ, and then I do. But often we do, and our being won't fade away. Then it's all flesh and self-effort. Major dangerous sign. We get competitive. Brian builds a 48,000 square foot building. I am going to build a 48,000 and one foot square building. That sounds really dumb, but it does say something about our heart that is rotten. Because we're not all going to build small, be 
big building, some of us are going to have a church of 120 for our whole life, and I'm not prophesying to you, but that is what God has called you to. You can have the best 120 people in the whole world if that's what the Father's called you. It's not about this stuff, man. Entitlement, I think Al or Brian, one of them, chat a little about that. We need to be treated differently. Where is my Don Durio yet? Why? Why? Not yet. I've seen guys be takers and not givers. Money and debt. You know, it's easier. In one part, I have this incredible privilege. I, I get an allowance for hosting people. It's so easy to be generous when it's not church's money. But I haven't actually given a thing. <laughs> So we make it a point, there's times when we have people's for meals, people for meals, I'm paying out of my money for that. I have to be generous to keep that going. I can shoot. Go. Bruise the bride for their own benefit and gain. Remember, we're the attendants of the bride. If we touch her inappropriately, I mean, if someone touched your girl sitting next to you tonight inappropriately, what would you do? I hope you would call all the men here and say, come with me. We're going to do some business with Father. <laughs> and here is this bride that this Jesus died for. We touch it ways that I think is very dangerous. I've seen two very gifted men, I'm talking highly, highly gifted men, who dealt with the bride harshly. Because they want a big reputation, they want a big numbers. I saw both of them move sideways by the king. They didn't kill them. And they still being a blessing in some ways. But their inheritance now is nothing compared to what their anointing could have brought for them. The glory they could have brought for the king. The interesting thing in both those cases when they moved aside, God replaced them with men who loved Jesus are willing to die at the cross, and those churches are still living in the fullness of their inheritance, despite those guys. I saw a guy, really big church, fast great church, he preached at one of the conferences we used to do in South Africa. And honestly, all of us were shocked. He really made his preach about himself. It used to be this and that thing, and I tell you, it was not months. God just moved him aside. And he went on an incredibly horrible and difficult journey. The amazing thing is the, um, the church that he was leading at that time has gone back to, to the inheritance that was in his time and way beyond that. Because they've been faithful with what God trusted them. I'm going to trust you. But he was moved. Doesn't even serve the king anymore. Sing your own song. You can't sing my bar song. You can't sing JD's song. You can't sing Donnie's song. You can't sing my song. I've tried singing other guys' song. It's pathetic. Just sing your song. If that's the song that the King of Kings has given, just sing it. Who cares what anyone else thinks? Sing it. Don't read the silly books. So the end of the commandment, thou shalt have fun in the kingdom. See burnout and exhaustion. People not dealing with hurt quickly. Need to do 
do that. We'll get through it easily. Certainly COVID for me, that was a hard thing. No recreation. Then the other thing that worries me is we often get needy friendships. So what I'm saying is I never fellowship up. I never fellowship with people who are ahead of me and draw me into what they are. I fellowship down. So I'm the dude. And you can always be telling me, oh, Tom, that's so amazing. You're awesome. That's fantastic. Tell me more. That's not good for us. I need upward fellowship. I need father. If, it, if that makes sense as well. And then last couple of things. I think now and then I see a father crack in people. Those guys are unteachable. They can tell you all the amazing things they do, but they will never stop and say, what's happening in your church? There's a father crack there until that thing is healed. You're never going to be able to deal with the father well. And then the last one thing. Take up your cross daily and bring glory to God. And this is, some people say Billy Graham's favorite verse was in Luke, but it's not. Galatians 6.14 was Billy Graham's favorite verse. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, I to the world. So I'd love to just pray for you if that's okay. No? Just quickly. And uh, this is what I'd love you to do. If you, if you, if some of this resonated in your heart, like, yeah, man, over to I'm ready for some more adventure. To just stick your hand in the air, just for the king's sake. Just like, not, it's not for me, honestly. I'm not going to get a bonus because you put your hand in it. <laughs> it's that much prophetic, but it's not. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, of the journey you and I, and you and I, and you to get to talk about it for a little bit tonight. Just um, overwhelmed with your goodness. And you see us all, a bunch of mates, a bunch of friends, and our hands are up because, Lord, we're in. We don't want to be like old Peter, getting in the way. We see a, a COVID season where we're dying to self. Being people of the cross has been non-existent. We want to be different. So with our hands raised, we just say, Lord, some new gospel adventure. Yeah. We we short on prophetic words in our own journey, Lord, give us some of those. Speak through your word and through silence. Muscle us up, Lord, for the next season that lies ahead. And we will be sure to give you all the glory, the praise, yeah. and the honor in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Emotions are stirred, but hearing these stories, our, our faith is stirred. And I want to pray for each one of us in this room, Father. I pray for just fresh faith to be poured into our hearts. I pray for childlike faith. I pray for those that, for those of each one, God, for those of us that have been in ministry for so long, where faith has just felt rocked. God, I just pray for fresh childlike faith to be stirred up within us, God. Yeah. I thank you that you are the faithful one. You know? yeah. Yeah, and you never change. That's right. You never, ever change. And so we can place our trust and our faith in you. Yeah. I just pray for fresh faith. So, so rich, brother. 
and you encouraged us, I know, encouraged me. And um, hearing all those stories makes you say, I, I want some of my own that I can pass on. Uh, Samuel, are you in here? Can you come and play a bit? Um, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do except to for us just to spend a few minutes reflecting on what we've heard and that you might respond uh, to the Lord. As I was listening and, and uh, thinking about the woman who pulls up in the car, I was thinking, how come that never happens? <laughs> the lady pulls up in the car and pull something weird out of the trunk. What does he call it? It's not a trunk. It's a boot. A boot. But in these, in these moments and you know, getting to know so many of you, hearing your stories, and, um, if I'm just Sean for a minute, I start thinking about, and you know, I don't, I don't have a beard like Donnie, and I don't have tabs like I don't have a, a voice like but Tom, and what am I? You know, I have an accent, and it's like the wrong accent. <laughs> the southern accent. It doesn't sound intelligent. People always think, yeah, yeah you didn't graduate, did you? <laughs> and I'm reminded of, um, you know, you were talking about and how he gets in the way and says, Lord, this isn't going to happen to you. Come on, this isn't good for your press. And he says, no, this is the, this is the way. And then at the end, when in John 21, you guys know the story how Peter and John are there and Peter's gone back to fishing and Jesus finds him and they're having breakfast. It gives him a little insight of the future. Over. What about him? Looks at John. What, what's his story? Mine doesn't sound so good. What about him? And he says, Do you remember? What's that to you? You follow me. You follow me. As I'm thinking about you and your lane and your giftings, as well as mine importance of saying I can't look at their path. I've got to follow the king. I've got to keep my eyes on him. Because so many times I look and say, but it's not happening the way it is over here. And I don't have stories just like that. It's not growing like gangbusters. I've just been one of those steady eddy guys a little bit every year and a lot of downturns and the Lord would say what's that to you? Just follow me. Follow me. And that's the question tomorrow and the next day and whatever the next crisis is. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to keep keep comparing yourself to somebody else and what, what's going on over in that city and that church 
It doesn't, I was talking to a brother earlier today, it doesn't matter how big you get, there's always someone ahead of you doing better that you're always going, oh, but God, when are you going to use me? I want you to really use me. What's that to you? Follow me. Can we pause on that and just wonder what the Lord might um, say to you in this moment where you've been looking at someone else and saying, yeah, but I want that story. I want, I want that. I want that building. I want that ministry. And the Lord say, what's that to you? Just follow me. King Jesus keep our eyes on you because we can get so distracted we can look at other people and their path and their blessing and their giftings and not truly celebrate it and not be happy about it we want to follow you that's, that's the main thing and so Lord we Pray you help my brothers and sisters right now in this moment to keep our eyes on you, to put our eyes on you, Jesus. We want stories like Tom, but they're going to be our own stories. They're going to be different. We choose to lay down those other kind of paths that we would choose and just say, Lord, I'm going to follow you.
that sermon or that that talk to our ladies, ladies. Um, I'm not going to be nervous anymore. That's not true. The enemy is still the enemy. He still wants to defeat you. He still wants to mess with your mind. And he will, no matter what your rage is. But the thing that we have learned, um, those decisions that you make, those tiny decisions are what's important. The big ones, you know, you'll make them. But what kind of decision am I making in the next five minutes or tomorrow morning when I wake up? Am I going to open my Bible and talk with the Lord? Am I going to spend my time with Him or am I going to turn on the Today Show? And because I, I just, I, you know, I, I spend time with God every day. Today is okay to not do that. It's the little decisions that matter. And we pray all the time. people 
this city, this building, this group of leaders, these elders, these deacons. And as long as God has you there, just, just be content with it. Can we do that? Can we just pray for one another with one another? Maybe about maybe about four in a circle or square, whatever way it works.